Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. That's the voice of Amy Cooper. The hmm is my guest that is here. He interviewed her, uh, and it played on Honestly with Barry Weiss. Uh, he has his own podcast, The Fifth Column. He's also the co-host of that and a partner with Freethink Media. Let me welcome to the show Mr. Kamel Foster. Welcome. Howdy, Karen. Thank you for, uh, for having me. Yeah, you made quite a splash last week. People were sharing and uh, talking, and you were clapping back, and it was interesting to watch. So I was like, uh, I'd rather invite you on and have a conversation. Um, listening to Amy Cooper uh, on this interview that you did with her, and before I get into that interview, why not do it for your podcast, The Fifth Column? Why why allow for it to play on Barry Weiss's um, podcast? Uh, well, as you saw from the production that we put together, it wasn't just an interview. We did some, some Wait, pretty for deep. The, for the record, hold on. In the first 30 oh. seconds, I heard my own voice on that. I was like, hey, 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 wait a minute. That's me. That's me oh, saying some things. No, you didn't do it. But I was like, did they get, y'all could just pull my voice and put it on a podcast? Okay. All right. It was in that opening fair, montage, fair y'all. Use, fair use. Yeah, yeah, it is fair use, I guess. But go ahead. That, Tell me how that would be the producer, the producer who did that, which is which is precisely why we collaborated. Um, they have some resources there in terms of just really top flight talent. And my good friend, Andy Mills, who's there, um, was the uh, the podcast producer. So I, I wanted to do it alongside some people. And I also wanted the back and forth. I mean, in the in the podcast, you hear me in conversation with Barry and we're probing different things and we're going down different avenues and trying to provide some context around the substance of the interview. The interview that I conducted with um, Amy was about three hours. Um, so you hear a chunk Very of little it, bit of it. Yeah. But not, not all of the interview. How did the interview come about? Um, how did you reach out to her and, you know, um, charges have been dropped uh, since, since this happened. And for those of you who aren't familiar, Amy Cooper, uh, is the woman in Central Park right on the heels of George Floyd, which you bring up with your conversation with Barry Weiss on the heels of George Floyd's murder, uh, roughly like that same week. Uh, the same day. The same. Oh, the same day. Same right. day. Yeah, this same actually day, happened in the morning. A Amy yeah. Cooper's in Central Park with her dog off the leash. She encounters bird watcher Christian Cooper. Uh, what transpires? We all saw the viral video of her calling the police and feigning, which looked like feigning to me, uh, that she was under attack by this black man. And it's a black man. And she was very clear to tell the cops, you know, and for many of us watching that, it was like, are you trying to get this man killed? What the hell is happening? So, you know, fast forward, he didn't press charges. He didn't want to participate in the prosecution of this woman. She lost her job and lost a lot of other things. And she was facing uh, jail and charges were dropped, I think. Um, that came out a couple of weeks ago. How did mm -hmm. you end up interviewing her? Uh, well, I saw reports about the charges being dropped and particularly a story that was published at NBC. And I was reading through it and noticed that there was a weird disclosure in this article about a previous confrontation that Christian Cooper had had with a man named Jerome Lockett, which is, he describes himself as a young 30-something uh, Black man. Uh, and the circumstances were eerily similar, it sounded like. And NBC mentions in the same article that they had interviewed Jerome Lockett last year, but then they don't go on to explain why they never published any of the details of this account. And I was sufficiently intrigued that I reached out 
to the new lawyer who was representing Amy in this civil case against their previous employer. And once I reached out to her, uh, we just kind of struck up a conversation. She made it pretty clear that she was interested in talking to someone about this story. And quite frankly, I, I think most people are just not terribly interested in having a conversation with Amy and treating her like a human being and having an expectation that there, there might be more to this story than what most people um, had presumed prior to our interview, perhaps. I'm looking at you, Kamel. Mm -hmm. um, I, I see a black man. A young well, black man. You see, man. You I see, see a young-ish man. <laughs> well, young, you're 30, right? 31? I am 40, but I, are I, you? I appreciate okay. the compliment. Thank you. All right. You look good. You look good because black Thank don't you. crack. All right. Where are you from? <laughs> uh, I'm from D.C. My family is from Jamaica. Okay. Uh, growing up in D.C., any profiling because of how you look ever? I, I can't really say so. Oh, okay. So you had an unusual black experience in America. Okay. I I don't know how unusual I don't know how unusual that is. So let's one I, in one thousand black men will be killed by law enforcement in this country every year. One in one thousand black men will be killed by law enforcement in this. Did country. you say one in one thousand? One in one thousand black men will be killed by law enforcement in this country. If right. I understand, if I know the the data correctly there are roughly a thousand police shootings that happen in the country on an annual basis, roughly a thousand. That number has been trending down for decades now. Um, and when we talk about race, it's certainly the case that black men don't make up about a hundred percent of that number. Um, a lot of those are people who are armed with various things. Um, but in recent years, it's been fewer than a hundred people who are shot and killed who are unarmed. Um, and when it comes to black men in those, numbers, I mean, I think they're somewhere around 30% of that total. Um, so I don't know about that one in 1000 data, data point. Um, I it, it sounds I'll a little it. suspect to me, but I'll tweet it. And, yeah. and you can follow him at Drew McCaskill. And I, I don't want to play the gotcha I mean, I think game, the, but I did. I think the data, I, the, the, that I just, the, question... the data that I just ran down, though, I think is really important to keep in mind. I, I, I've done a lot of work on criminal justice reform issues. Um, I've published some pieces on police shootings and some of the remedies for addressing police shootings and trying to bring that issue to, to a head and make some progress there. Um, and one of the concerns that I've had is that issues like that tend to be talked about in an explicitly, almost uniformly just racial way. Um, mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is that there've been plenty of people of all races who have died in suspicious ways, or at least ways that need to be investigated impartially so that people can have confidence that when they interact with law enforcement, if something goes wrong, that that, that matter is going to be adjudicated properly, regardless of their race or their background. That is not a uniquely Black concern. That is a concern that should animate something inside of all Americans. Yeah, but it makes them 2.5 times more likely than white men and boys to die during an encounter with the police. So race, yeah, again, always, race always matters, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I, again, I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know what that data point is from. I'd have to take a look at the statistic, but it's, it's really important to, to kind of keep things into perspective. Again, a thousand police shootings a year, like that is a number that's important, but relative to the number of stops and police interactions that take place, it is the case that most people who have police interactions are not going to be murdered by the police. Well, most people who have police interactions who are black, present company, you excluded, um, have a built-in history that even Amy Cooper sp 
spoke to in the interview that she had with you. You know, there's a there's a built in history. We we when we're stopped, there is the talk that we get. There's been whole commercials about it. But I grew up in a black household where I was, you know, if you're stopped by police hands to attend to make sure. Yes, sir. No, sir. Make sure you show your hands at all times. Talks that white children don't get. Uh, and I've had many, many people on since the killing of Mike Brown, who's uh, the anniversary of his killing was yesterday, uh, seventh anniversary of his killing. So anecdotally, we don't live in statistics. We live in a world of people. And to mm-hmm. uh, to say, Kamel, that race is not a factor is both dishonest and is not um, necessarily I'm not sure I said right race is not ra- you, you race said, is not a factor. You, I said race is not the race is not the only factor, you, you um, or at least race. Okay, race shouldn't be the primary way that we think about police. But involved it is. Shooting. We live in a racial. We live in a racial society. Pr- <laughs> but we I'm live saying in it's a, not the principal reason why police shootings happen, and it's not the principal concern when it comes to reform. It, but we live in a race. Uh, race is at the foundation of the founding of this country, so we cannot have a conversation without that. You you're entitled to your views Mm -hmm. based on whatever data because we can do the data game all day long i don't want to do that i want to understand because you you caught a lot of flack for having this discussion with amy uh cooper and there was a you know and you've talked about this wanting to humanize or or also take the new york times to task and other media outlets for not telling a full story you know um i'm gonna play a clip uh with the discussion that you and barry uh weiss are having early on uh, about halfway midway through uh this podcast about information that was left out so let, let's talk about it uh play the clips miss i don't know what i think about her intention that day but i do know that the simple accepted narrative that we all seem to go along with that was just far too clean and too simple right i think i, I think that's clear and we should Revisit the framing that we would encounter any time we would see this story in the media, that this was a white woman faking tears to try to get a black man hurt or potentially killed because he had the audacity to ask her to leash her dog, according to the park rules, or that this white woman was so racist that she was terrified of a gentle Harvard-educated bird watcher because he happened to be a black man. And she, for that crime, tried to use the police to hurt him. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure there are plenty of people who will hear all of this, all of the additional details and the complicating facts that we've gone through, and they will continue to believe that Amy Cooper is a racist, privileged white woman. But even if you believe that, I just want to point as hard as I can to the fact that this story was covered by everyone. It is among the most covered stories of, of the past year. And yet, almost none of these outlets even mentioned any of the things that we've talked about here. They didn't go out and find that other side of that 911 call. None of them, despite in many instances having talked to Jerome Lockett or received his written statement, bothered to include details about another encounter between Christian Cooper and other dog owners in the park. Like, these things seem pretty relevant to this broader narrative. That's uh, Kamel. Kamel Foster. Mm-hmm. And so on the day that George Floyd had the life snuffed out of him at under the knee of Derek Chauvin, Amy Cooper was in a park when this video was going viral, having an altercation with Christian Cooper and called the police on them on him because she felt threatened based on her past experience with sexual assault 
and encounters with men. This is what she said in, in this podcast, right? Is that- that's, that's part of what she said, yeah. Right. Well, tell me the other part, since you, you, you were hesitant or you, I didn't well, yeah, quite I think get that, it right. Well, the, the important thing to keep in mind here is that we've all seen 40 seconds of an encounter between two people. And what happened before the video started to roll is a, a bit of a mystery to us. So a lot of what we tried to do in this particular podcast was illuminate what had taken place before. Um, and a lot of my concern about the way that the story was covered was that there was a pronounced incuriosity on the part of the mainstream media when it came to covering this story. People arrived at a particular conclusion and much of the coverage of this story was wrapped in speculation and really just determined pronouncements like mind reading. They knew exactly what Amy Cooper was doing and saying um, in those instances. Christian Cooper, when he would do interviews, would routinely talk about her tapping into some deep history of racism in America. And the reality is that not knowing what that encounter was like before the camera starts to roll really does like put us at a disadvantage. The question of Did whether she, or not well, Amy on, Cooper was actually afraid in that circumstance or Did had she legitimate have her dog cause to be leash? afraid. Like that really matters. We do know that she did. Yeah, she did. Right. So know that. was there a sign saying you should put your dog on a leash? There's no doubt about that. Okay. There's no so, disputing so, so that. So let's, let's, let's stop. He's a dog watcher. Uh, excuse me, bird watcher. She's mm -hmm. violating the rules. Uh -huh. He's playing officer snappy. Put your dog on a leash. Batman more like vigilante. Whatever. Uh, but Batman <laughs> has weapons oh. in a car and, all, you know, he asked her to put, uh, however he asked her, whether it was nice or not nice. To me, the altercation, even before the, the film, and which probably precipitated him putting it on, I'm assuming, because that's all we can do, right? Because we don't know. He asked her to put mm. the dog on a leash and she didn't. Because the well, dog can, was still off the leash. We can do, do a little better than assume. Rolling. We can do a little better than assume certain things. I mean, we know that that Christian Cooper provided a, a, effectively a transcript of this thing that he posted to Facebook, and I'm sure you've seen that at some point. Yeah, read it. We do know that in that in that transcript, he he does issue a rather odd one kid characterizing as vague threat. He acknowledges that, um, and Amy agrees with that. Um, but Amy suggests that there were other threats, and Amy suggests that when he approached her, he was yelling. And Amy also suggests that when he was calling for her dog, he was wielding a helmet in a way that looked somewhat menacing. Um, and Christian at least acknowledges that when he was calling Amy's dog, she had asked him not to. And that when he did, in fact, do it, she yelled and asked him to stop. This is Christian's account. And I think this gets even more complicated when we take into account the specific details that I uncovered that not only was this up there, this other gentleman, Jerome Lockett, who gives a pretty detailed account of his encounter with Christian, which again is very similar down to the point where Christian is making the same sort of vague threat. If you're going to do what you want to do, I'm going to do what I want to do, and you're not going to like it. Um, and again, trying to feed his dog um, treats and calling his dog over after being asked not to do that. So it is fair to say that Amy Cooper broke the, the rules in the park. The question becomes, if a woman is by herself in a secluded area of Central Park and she is breaking the rules. Does that justify screaming at her, accosting her, threatening her? Does it justify calling her dog over multiple times after she's asked you not to? Does it justify not leaving her alone when she's asked you to? And once she starts to comply with your request, when she's leashing her dog, which is what, what seems to be happening when that video first opens, are you justified whipping out your camera, having done all of those other things to her, 
with the distinct intention of trying to make her afraid or concerned <laughs> to start videotaping you, her. You're saying that she was afraid of the camera? I'm saying that she felt threatened in much the same way that Jerome Lockett felt threatened. That is her claim. And, it's, and the question for me is, it's not a matter of whether or not I think that's definitely true. It's a question of whether or not it is reasonable to assume that she could have been afraid. And I think the fact that other dog owners have had similar encounters with Christian one other dog really owner, similar. one other, not, not, a, not one other. We know from many, Christians, we actually know from Christian's own testimony. Another detail that's in the podcast is we know that Christian attended a meeting of Community Board 7 about a week before this encounter with Amy Cooper. And he disclosed that in that spring of last year, he had had two physical altercations with other dog owners who he had approached in the ramble, in the park. Um, about leashing their dogs. He claims to have been, quote unquote, to quote, assaulted twice last year. Now, that's a pattern of behavior that seems like what people pretty leaving concerning. their dogs off a leash when it's clear those that they should. It, that, that's a pattern that of people, behavior. It suggests that those people are off leash. The question, again, though, is. Well, the pattern of behavior people, is that the I was dog just was in the ramble. The I didn't get into a physical altercation with anyone. Did, did like you I see was, people I was with their there. dogs there, off were the there people with I did, dogs? actually. I All saw right. lots so, of people with their so, dogs So leash. that's his thing. He's, dog, he's bird watching. Dogs are off the leash. You know, everybody has their thing. You, you, clearly, yeah, that's, you, know, that's you grew up in D.C., never had an altercation that was racist. That's unusual. <laughs> so you're a different person. You're different. You know, everyone has that, their thing. For Christian Cooper. You didn't Cooper, ask me that question, actually. That, I, I did. My answer to that said, question would be different. You asked me about the police. Oh, you know, okay. No, I actually yeah. didn't. I asked you about race, racial encounters. You asked me about you racial assume, profiling. Yeah, not, not necessarily police. You, okay. you assume, see how, you know, you can take things a number. Okay. Of course, yeah, yeah. So have you, have you been racially profiled? That was a question that I asked. And uh, you, you, no, you said no? Yeah. You have been. But, well, no, actually, I don't call it racial profiling. I had an incident with a young girl in school where she she used a, a word that most people aren't going to use. It starts with the N and told me that she was no longer allowed to play with me because of her father. And your whole life in D.C. to N words. Somebody, somebody. I was in Virginia. Used the N word in your whole life. That was, in, uh, that was, that was the in only Virginia. time that's ever happened to you. Um, I mean, I've had people use the N word in anger with me before, but they they weren't white people, so I, I imagine oh. it wasn't a matter of racism. You have you have a very unique experience, uh, which is good, I guess. Uh, I wish I, that I don't know more that people... most black people are called uh, N word in in disgust by white people um, on a regular basis. I imagine that is not at all routine. Oh, okay. wow. Okay. Come out. You you, can follow you all have that happen on a regular basis. Well, so growing up, yeah, and not it's not it's not even we talk about this quite frequently. It's not just the N word. There are things way worse than the N word. It's this yeah. othering and it's this denigration and it's this this um you know what I, exp I imagine Christian Cooper was experiencing uh, to see her perform and you watched the video. I know you did several times, Kamel, because you uh -huh. talk about it. Uh, her her response and calling the police wasn't of somebody when we're watching the encounter who was threatened in that moment. Uh -huh. She's calling the police because somebody had the audacity to tell her to leash her dog. And then he whipped yeah. out a, a, a video I mean, camera, which is what people are doing now to document what's happening. And I, she performed in a way he was nowhere near her. So to call the police welcome. and say, I'm threatened put his life you, in jeopardy could have you're certainly welcome to speculate about what Watching her motives it. were in that moment but i think what we can we can say a couple of things there was at least one threat issued by christian 
there was another threat issued by can you, tell us, can you, can you r- remind us again what what the threat is that you're saying the threat did. the threat that he acknowledges making is if you're going to do what you want to do i'm going to do what i want to do and you're not going to like it that the, is the threat he issued the dog treats we we again how the is camera? she supposed to know that how is she supposed to know their dog treats because he put how up, is she supposed to know that how is she supposed to how is she how is she supposed to know that the only thing that she has is dog treats? He he calls the dog over. He doesn't say, I'm I want your dog so I can give it treats. All right, He's let's let's say let's say over. let's say she was completely threatened by that. Why didn't she call the cops then? Why did she only call the police Here's, when he whips out the camera? If she was so threatened can, by Christian Cooper, I find all these questions the, interesting. Well, you, I, I, I find you interesting, Kamel. <laughs> I find you very interesting and complicated and unique in a way that I'm not quite sure, you know, um, of a lot of things. But what I know for a fact <laughs> that she had a phone to call 911 because she used it to call 911 on Christian Cooper at the point yeah. that he pulled out his video, not at the point that he said, uh, you're not going to like it. That would have been 911 for me. I don't know what he's talking about, but she didn't do sure. that. She waited well, until we... there was at least several minutes of a video. And then we see her calling the police and screaming right. that she's being threatened and that well, she there's... feels like her life is in danger. That's not As what I said. Yeah. Well, well, Karen, there's two there's two things to keep in mind here. One is that we don't know how quickly things transcribed when Amy was having transpired? her interaction with Chris. Transpired when she was having her interaction with Christian before the camera starts to roll. But once the camera starts to roll, let's keep in mind what she actually says to the police on the phone. And let's ask a question as to whether or not this is reasonable. I'm in the ramble in Central Park and an African-American man is threatening me and my dog. The foot, that's the first thing she says. And she also mentions a helmet and his handkerchief that he's wearing, a scarf that he's wearing, because it's COVID era. Um, and she re- goes on to repeat the same thing. And then the third time, by the third time, she's quite hysterical. And she says, I'm in the ramble in Central Park. There's a man threatening me. Please send the police. Why does she get hysterical? Well, if you've listened to the podcast, then you know why. <laughs> no, I don't. I still don't. I oh. listen to it. I No, oh. what I'm saying is I'm calling BS <laughs> well, on it. I listen to it. Yeah. I'm calling oh, BS on yeah. all of you're it. Calling, because you're I calling just, BS yeah. on the fact that yeah. the 911 operator yeah. couldn't hear yeah. what Amy yeah, was Yeah, I'm calling BS on it because I just times. watched a whole TikTok montage of white women feigning tears. And I've actually experienced it. I've actually seen it in real do. life. Yes, I've watched this, the whole thing. This is what they do. This is but what this they isn't do. how we prosecute crimes, and it, I don't think it's fair at all to take any okay. person's individual experience and and to subsume. She wasn't convicted it. of a crime, though. Again, but we are taught we're essentially casting holding court now. Let's let's just say right informally, perhaps, but we are. We're judging her actions, and the question is whether or not we should judge them individually, judge these people as individuals, or if we should bring in a universe of other things that might be the same. And say, well, no, no see, she's white. That's no, how it is. This is called no, in, stereotyping. In a, no, it's not. This it's is, called, called America. No, actually, it's not. So, so we had a conversation. In this scenario, hold on, hold on, Drew. Yeah. Before before he came in, we had a conversation. Somebody called up and was like, you know, Black Lives Matter. I hope it never goes away. And I said, I actually hope it does. At some point, that we can live in a world where we won't have to proclaim Black Lives Matter. Unfortunately, that's not the world we live in right now. I hope mm. we never have to use the hashtag Me Too in the future. I hope your children never have to use Me Too. I I want to live in a world where that's irrelevant. But unfortunately, Kamel, we do not live in that world currently. And there is not just a couple of years history. We have a 400-year dossier on behavior and learn behavior, watch behavior, 
power, power behavior, all of that. And in this scenario with that videotape that we all saw, even whatever precipitated before, whether he leveled a threat or what have you before, she didn't dial 911 until the camera came on and she felt like, okay, you want to capture something, I'm going to do the next thing. And it, we have, most of us have seen this play out before. I'm grateful to God that you have never had that happen to you, Kamel. Consider yourself very blessed in 40 years that you've never seen that play out. I'll say if if my wife is alone in a park in a secluded area of Central Park and a man approaches her and is yelling at her and starts to make threats, let's presume that that's what happens for a moment, just for this thought experiment. Um, And the interaction effectively escalates. Like she's trying to, let's say, as Amy suggests, put the leash on her dog and comply. And now he's videotaping her and she's uncomfortable with this. And she's been asking him to leave her alone and stop. And he hasn't. She asks again for him to leave her alone. She does approach him. It's odd for someone who's afraid to do that. But fight, flight, like people do odd things in those circumstances. But if she picks up the phone and she calls the police and then she says, there's a man threatening me in the park. That's not a fake statement. It's true. He had threatened her. And Jerome Lockett also felt threatened. And when Jerome Lockett felt threatened, what did he do? He responded physically. He pushed Christian over. He suggests that Christian was, he turned his back to Christian, tried to walk away. And Christian tried to call his dog as he was walking away. Like this is not a, a, a typical circumstance where it's merely someone who's being um, sort of targeted because of their race. This doesn't necessarily have to be a circumstance where Amy Cooper sees Christian and is afraid of him because of his blackness. If there is a pattern of behavior, a sequence of events where multiple people have encounters with him in the park under similar circumstances, and they all come away from it feeling threatened, and his, his stated purpose is to punish intransigence in the, in the park. He doesn't use the word punish, I do. I was going to say that is not what it says. Well, he uses the word. He uses the word. He uses the word intransigence, yeah. but he, he not say he, that his goal right. was to punch. But his his goal is to make these people uncomfortable and to achieve compliance by doing something that they won't like. He issues a threat. He does something they won't like, and people respond. And how do they respond? Physical. It's not a physical threat, too. But it doesn't have to be physical, especially if you're a woman and you're and you're small. Okay. And as he states, right. he's a very All large right. man. It was yeah. enough to so be intimidating I, 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 to Jerome Lockett. Mm, it was enough oh, to be intimidating to others. Yeah. And in this particular case, the question is, the only question in my estimation that matters mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. is whether or not it is at all reasonable for a woman alone in a park to be afraid right. in that circumstance. That, that, and if works, it is, that works in a world where there's no Central Park Five. I'm going to have to let you go um, because I believe uh, with every fiber of my being that the defense of Amy Cooper is dangerous. It sets a precedent. This isn't a defense of Amy Cooper. This is sounds like it. This is a defense of us being. This is a defense of us being reasonable and recognizing. No, we can't be reasonable and unreasonable. We cannot be reasonable. No, there's no reason to to racism. (laughs) Well, that's the case. Yeah. Well, that's the case. That's why we can't have a conversation. I don't want to. Who are discriminatory? No, come out. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on. I just I feel like having this conversation. No, there's no reason to racism. And so this system fosters your last name. Uh, <laughs> in, in, a, in a pure world, which we don't live in, the way you're approaching this journalistically makes all the sense. We don't live in that world. And, you know, I'm glad that you live in a different world than the rest of us. And I want you to never experience racism. I want you to never experience any kind of um, 
you know, targeting because of your complexion and your and your gender. I, I pray that that you keep living this happy uh, Pollyanna life that you've lived. But, you know, Jeez, we're going to have a conversation about the, the majority of us who are. <laughs> it's, it's true. I mean, I'm happy for I, you. Again, you're making a bunch of sweeping assertions here. I and am. my my principal concern here is trying to build a world where all of us can be judged on the basis of who we are as individuals. And I think you have to model that behavior mm, if that's you actually the behavior You have to first address that that's not the world we live in. And Amy Cooper One can address that, but no, I think we, it's possible. We cannot. To... We, we can unless question. we agree that there's a problem, which you do I've, not even acknowledge. I just said that the world, is, I am not the one who suggested the world is perfect. I've never suggested there is no racism. No, this is, my this question is, this for you. Speaky, would be... speaky talk, and um, I don't. I feel like we're on a merry-go-round. I got, I just, I got a headache right now, and so I'm going to self-care. Uh, you up out of here. I appreciate you. Thank you for being here, Drew. Stick around. When we come back. Kamel, Godspeed. Uh, and you can follow him at K M E L E if you want to. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.